That's why my wife came over here from Poland when she was 19 to go to college uh, and was an au pair uh, for a family uh, outside of Washington, D.C. And and most of her friends that came over from Poland uh, did that as they worked their way through college. And, you know, she would tell stories about these, you know, mega powerful D.C. attorney types they would work for who were never home, like literally so they could live in their $4 million Potomac, Maryland mansion. And the wife was off playing around at the uh, country club all day because the the husbands buy that for them, so they hang out there. And then she would raise the three kids. The three kids, she said, in a matter of a week would see their mother and father for about a total of 12 minutes. Like She said it was nuts. And the parents were having her buy the kids uh, Twinkies and uh, Lucky Charms cereal, macaroni and cheese. You couldn't believe it. And so you see that even today. I mean, the area I live in, it's on the border of suburbs and rural in Frederick, Maryland, which 20 years ago was like a big farm town. Uh, now it's it's completely okay. destroyed. Luckily for us, this is just a temporary stop. As I've told the audience before, I lived a life before this, ended up in divorce. So I look at this as I'm starting over. Uh, it was great. I happened to be lucky mm-hmm. and meet this fantastic woman. I should have married uh, someone from outside of America a long time ago, but because she's like basically USA <laughs> 1980. That's how I see her. She still appreciates flowers, and you open the door for her. She's she's old school, so uh, right. I like that thing because yep. I'm a throwback. But um, so we're starting over now. We have our our son who's eight weeks old, and part of what I always balance is between. You know, this inner stress, uh, like I got caught off guard with COVID land, the high school theater production in my past life. And now I go, wait a second, CBDC's around the corner, uh, more AI, all this stuff. At the same time, I'm not going to rush into trying to build a homestead and then get myself into problems and create more stress because I did it wrong. And I really want to start to build that up. Uh, with my son. That's part of the journey I want to take with him. So I don't want to do things before he's going to be able to be part of it and remember it. So sometimes I say, listen, if they're going to force more technocracy and CBDC is going to come at me six months from now, well, guess what? I'm not prepared for it, but there's nothing I could do within six months to insulate myself from that. Anyway, if it is going to start to really become big and come to fruition in 2030, which is like a magic year for them, then that's fantastic because it gives Mm -hmm. me the next year year and a half to really put the plans together and then do this right Right. and do it in a way where we're going to succeed at it Uh, of course we're going to have some failures along the way but you're not going to have as many and then that becomes part of his journey and like what you just talked about I want to be able to, uh, you know, we did some canning and things this year. Um, uh, my wife's parents live on about 12 acres in rural Poland. So canning, pickling, gardening, the whole yard is really just part of their culture. It's been that way for a long time. So right. we, we got to, I got to experience a lot with them. My uh, father-in-law, he makes whiskey that he uses to trade with neighbors for meat. He's got a big smoker he built, so he'll smoke sausages for people and trade for getting sausage. Uh, my mother-in-law harvests a lot of berries and grapes they have and they'll trade those to neighbors for other fruits and vegetables so that's sort of the system you know we want to set up uh in our life and i want to get into like you said canning meat uh salting meat smoking meat like a lot of this stuff that i'm going to jump into i want to be able to do it in a way that it's off the grid so my system is not that i want to just right. get a bunch of meat and buy 42 chest freezers you know and have them lined up and i got to rely completely right. on electricity if i'm going to do it i want to do it where 
if the power grid goes down, I can sit there and be play Amish if I have to. I mean, that, that's how I look at it. Not that Absolutely. I want to live every day like that, but I want to prepare for that type of situation. And if you're canning and pickling and making good stuff anyway, you're going to eat that as regular food as you go along through life. You know, you're not just putting it down in your uh, in your uh, bomb bunker. You know, you're, you're eating this stuff as you right. go along. Absolutely. And you know where that food came from. You know, you're there from beginning to end. You're in control of it. So it, it's, it's obviously going to be healthier. Not only that, but to add like, and I know solar and, and wind energy and all that stuff, a big push right now. But don't forget, people, don't forget about hydroelectricity. I lived on a place back when I was in Eagle area on a ranch, and they had a hydroelectric plant on their place. It was only a 62-acre place, and it didn't have, but they had their own live water, and they own that water, so they built a hydroelectric plant on their place. And that hydroelectric plant powered five houses, three ranches. So you don't, you know, you don't even have to, you can see, there's always a way to think outside the box. What do they say? If there's a will, there's a way. But, so don't limit yourself. You know, what you're talking about, about being off-grid and all that, absolutely. But if you can have a little bit of that modern convenience to go with it, where you're not dependent on a power grid and you could have solar to back it up or whatever, there you go. That's you know, how I have see a way it. Well, to yeah. store that, have a way to have your own. Yeah, I'm not ready to grow the uh, Amish beard and uh, turn off the electricity. <laughs> I just want to be prepared if that happens and not feel like uh, like like a prepper living in an RV underground, breathing out of a straw. You know, like I don't want to do that. Absolutely. But you want to be able to when uh, the lights go out and the internet goes off, you're sitting there going, "Hey, whatever, light the candles, it's fine." I mean, we're totally prepared for this type of situation. Like I said, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I have friends of mine. They'll go buy a, a full cow off one of these uh, these small ranchers, and then you know mm -hmm. they've got seven uh, chest freezers. I'm like, okay, well that's all good, that's all fine and dandy. But first off, if your power, because you know a lot of them have a generator, but if power's out for two or three weeks, you're not going to be able to power for that long, and then all your meat is spoiled. Right. Plus, a lot of that's yep. like I find steaks and things like that are not that enjoyable once they're frozen for six, seven months. They're not as good when you cook them up. So to me, it, it's sort of a waste. Um, but like yep. yesterday, for instance, I spent, I, I wanted to do this as an experiment. So we were over in Poland, one of the, the this dish that everyone likes, it's called smolets. It's uh, pork fat. And then it's infused with like uh, bits of pork belly meat. So it has like bacon bits almost in it. And so my right. wife got the recipe off her brother who makes the best one in the family. And so I spent four hours yesterday making it. It was my first time. And her mother's visiting from Poland. She said, oh, my God, this is like the best one I've ever had. I did it all with organic pork from a, from a butcher that we get pork from. And this stuff, once you do it in your little uh, canning jars, you can actually boil it quick. And then actually store those in your in your pantry with your pickled vegetables. So it's like a pork fat mixed right. with uh, pieces of pork, you know, high protein, gives you a big energy boost. And you can store that stuff for a couple of years once it's canned. So I'm like, that was my first experiment right. doing stuff with meat. Uh, but these are the kind of things, like I said, I, I want to be working towards. Because if you truly want to free yourself from the system, I mean, a, a lot of people get hung up, as we talked about earlier, with restoring America or the Constitution or whatever they get hung up with this idea that they have to save the collective or save the country 
you, you can't save the collective when 50% of the people want to live in that system. That's their choice. If you want yeah. to free yourself yep. from this tyranny that you see from this dystopian future, you have to do that in your personal life and you have to free yourself and your family. And then what's going to happen is you lead by example. Because as you start to build right. your own your own butcher shop and you come on a show like mine or eventually go on Mike Moore's show or something, guess what? You're going to inspire five or six or seven other people that are going to say, you know what? I'm going to build my own butcher shop in the backyard. You lead by example by actually right. doing it. You're not going to go and save it. You're not exactly. riding into Washington on a horse with a musket and you're going to free the Congress nope. or whatever the hell people think is going to happen. You know, this comes out of Silicon right. Valley. It's coming out of Switzerland. It's coming out of the United Nations. Like you're you're not going to change the world. You can change your own no. personal life and then lead by example. Is what I think. Exactly, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yep, code totally. And it's, yeah, you know, I mean, even for me, you know, I you know, we got weeds all over the place, right? And when I'm on the mountain, all my animals are on the mountain with me. There's nothing here during the summer. The pasture grows up, weeds grow in my corrals. And I remember looking back at 2016 when I got my herd, we got, well, right now we only got eight horses, but <clears throat> brought them back down off the mountain and turned them out. And I'm like, they've been on the mountain all summer. They have mountain feed, all this, you know, good feed. Where Come home. They're going to go out to the pasture. They went right to the corral and spent days just milling around the corral, eating those weeds. <laughs> and I'm going, there's something in there that they need because they're not stupid. They don't eat poison if they don't have to. And I'm like, there's something out there. There's something. There. And then, you know, now I'm, you know, start to learn to identify the, the, the foliage on your property. I don't care if you live in town. I mean, everybody has dandelions and we're spraying the son of a bucks with roundup to kill them, to have a pretty looking yawn, a pretty looking yard. And yet the whole entire plant is edible and we're killing them. I mean, things like that, where you don't even have to work at it and you can have food, you know? So yeah. start to learn, you know, it's just small scale. Learn to identify what's what's in your yard. You know, fried, some of it's fried, medicinal, some of it's edible. Da fried dandelion flowers are delicious, by the way. Uh, they are I've never fantastic. had that yet. Oh, they're actually really good. Um, I, 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 while, while you were talking before, I looked something up, and I just want to point this out to folks uh, as a reason why, um, you know, I've said my, my solutions plan is really – um, educate yourself and others. Continue to educate yourself about your enemy, the history of the enemy, what they're doing today, where they're going, because that's going to allow you to build better plans and more realistic goals to get around them. You want to uh, begin to insulate yourself and your family from some of the stuff. I mean, everyone's going to be different because we're all willing to tolerate the technocracy you know, uh, to, to varying degrees. And then you want to start to, in my opinion, separate yourself from densely populated areas. Then start to congregate with like-minded folks, build a community of folks around you, and then accelerate. Like Accelerate means you got to start putting your foot on the gas and working towards these. At least start to write your goals down and start to figure out, okay, if you need cash to get land or you're going to need cash to put together a water purification system or something like that. You know, those are the things you have to start to figure out. But as you mentioned earlier, start also thinking about working smarter 
and not necessarily harder, or mm-hmm. in this phase, work smart and right. hard, you know, so that you can start to generate additional food coupons beyond just trading your labor for 10 or 15 or $20 an hour. You have to think bigger than that right. if you want to accelerate your plans. But I want to point this out why it's important. Because you were talking about ranching, and a lot of people now are starting to pay attention to food and grocery stores and supply chains and fake meat and all this other nonsense that's out there. You were saying on this piece of land that you're working, that you're, uh, you said back, whatever, 20, 30 years ago, that piece of land may be allowed to have five to 6,000 uh, cattle on it. Now it's down to 2,000, right? So it's 33% of what was allowed. Uh, So, one, they're reducing the number of cattle that you can have. Now, the population around the world has obviously increased, right? So, in America, it's probably 100 million more people uh, today than there were back then. Then, on top of it, folks, and I brought this up on other shows, you have the federal government controlling at least about 27% of the land in the United States. When you add in the control of state governments, they control over 50% of the land. So, this is where you have these ranchers having to do deals with the uh, forestry department or with the bureau of land management to be able to graze these cattle so the government controls the land that you need to raise the cattle then you have the population growing and then you have the government setting new rules that are reducing the number of cattle that they can have on the land and then there's all kinds of policies and regulations that go in between that they have the ability to choke out the supply chain on the meat, on the vegetables, on everything else. This is why it's so important to figure out, even if you're living on a half acre in the suburb and you're stuck there, that's where you're going to be for the next 10 years. You have no ability to go buy land and start a homestead to figure out how to start turning your half acre into a piece of land that can produce food for you, uh, enough for your family. Maybe you have an abundance and you can use that to trade with neighbors or sell it to them you know black market style people do that on facebook marketplace for cash that then you can use to go buy meat from a local farmer organic meats and stuff like that i mean these are the way this is the way i think people have to start thinking because when you look at it the federal government has the ability to choke us all out uh, we experienced that during COVID mm-hmm. land, the high school theater production. This is why I think it's important to start to first off, develop your own supply chain, you know, as far as food goes, uh, you know, doing stuff yourself yep. and working with local farmers. I mean, that's number one to me because, uh, other than food, there's not much mel- else that matters. If you can't feed yourself, <laughs> you're in deep trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> yeah. If you're dead because you starved to death, you know, how can you, what good are you to your family, your society? You're, you're gone. Well, I mean, if you go, if you go back, um, you know, just go back 150, 200 years ago. I mean, you as the, say the man in the household, what were you doing? You'd get up your job in the morning was going out and killing a squirrel, a rabbit, a deer, and bringing the food back home to your family. That's that's what you actually did for your job. See, part of the problem is we've gotten so far away from what humans actually did. So now we create all this uh, middlemen stuff, and you have to go to work at a cubicle to get the food coupons, to buy the meat, to then bring it home. You know, we've separated ourselves so far away from what we were wired to do. That's why I think trying to get back to, like you said, the lifestyle of ranching, if you can figure out how to do it in a smart way, you have more time to spend with your family, you have more time to live your life, and then you're supplying food, you know, for your table. The more of 
that I think you can separate yourself from having to go to the matrix job, the closer you can get back to like hunting and gathering. Um, to me, mm-hmm. I think you're going to naturally be more happy. But part of it is you have to remove. Yep. And I started doing this a few years ago. You have to remove this this illusion that somehow you have to compete with the Joneses, that you are not successful if you don't have a 6,000 square foot McMansion, or you are not successful if you don't have seven BMW payments, or you're not successful unless you have an 82 inch uh, flat screen TV in your house. Like to me, you you have to start to separate yourself. Is success having your own butchering shop in your backyard and your ability to grow and can and pickle vegetables and can meats? Uh, and then be able to provide for your family even when supply chains get shut down? Or is success that you have a $782 a month payment on a new BMW? I don't. To some people, that is success, but that BMW isn't going to do much for you uh, when, when the supply chains yeah. shut down. You know? Oh, yeah. So I, like even here, you know, because oil and gas is really big around here, it's, the states kind of squelched it, but here in the last several years, but still, it's big. But, you know, in Colorado being an expensive state, the price of fuel, I think, because we drive diesel vehicles, the price of diesel, I think, is like at four fifty nine a gallon. And that's it was getting to six six fifty this summer, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of people, and gas never really changed, but gas is still expensive. So, you know, people aren't making, you know, hourly rate wages have not gone up you know, in comparison or in relation to inflation, inflation went to what, eight, eight, nine percent. Now it's dropped back down to seven percent somewhere in there. Supposedly, and, yeah. You know, yeah, 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 supposedly. I'm not I'm just going off their, their numbers. Yeah. I mean, we know it's worse than that. <laughs> but then, you know, so banks don't pay an interest anymore to have money in the savings account. We're in a credit union and we're earning 0.5% interest. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you're losing money to be in the cash system, to have money in the bank, you're losing money. You're, you're literally losing money. So, you know, as, as foods incri- increased in price, fuels increased, you know, wages haven't, and people are, have, you know, high property tax, they have their taxed out. If it exists, it gets taxed anymore. So what happens when the price gets to where you can't drive to work anymore. You can no longer, you can't buy food. You're literally having to choose what you're going to buy to be able to, to make it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, you know, think back to the like 1930s after the stock market crash and then the Great Depression. I have family. There's people in this area that literally just left their ranches because they could not make it anymore. They just walked off to go find work. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that way. I want to be able to be able to make a living without having to make a living, you know, I want to be able to live, you know? And so, but people aren't prepared for that, you know? So every bubble that could be created right now, it looks like they're all going to pop. I think they'll, I personally believe they're going to pop, you know, kind of in succession and it's just going to, it's going to be devastating. I mean, we're not supposed to be in these kind of bubbles. They're, 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 they're fictitious. They're created, but everybody's bought into it so much. They're so invested in it that, when it does happen, you know, the, there's no way you could tell me that our five acres is worth $500,000. You can't, there's no way, but yet that's what they value it at. And I'm like, that's, that's stupid. We didn't pay that much when we bought it in 19 or in 2004, but you know, so people, you know, you get home equity loans and so on and so forth. They're, you're tied to it. And then when it goes yeah. up, 
you're going to lose it. You know, so when it actually resets to what it's what the real value is, you know, you're going to see places worth $5 million go to $5. That's <laughs> yeah. the time to buy in. That's the time to look at real estate. J- Justin, you could sell your uh, five acres for a half a million and move here. You can get yourself a 1,200 square foot, three level townhouse for 500 plus another 200 if you want. <laughs> I swear to God, it's right. insanity. Right. It's insanity. Um, that's one of the reasons why we it were is. looking in West is. Virginia because it's kind of the one of the last, um, you know, the last frontiers. There's still affordable land, but it moves so fast. Like there was a piece I was going to buy last year. It was uh, twelve acres, and it had an old two level farmhouse on it with the wraparound porch on the top and the bottom. And it listed oh, for one twenty five. Okay, it it was gone in about <laughs> seven seven minutes after it listed. Those those ones you have to be ready. I believe it with, with basically the, the cash sitting in the account, ready to wire it like immediately. But no, they they move quick. We just saw another one yep. that was really good. That unfortunately, I mean that that was gone in twenty four hours. But yeah, I mean this is all part of the plan. Like you have to have your ducks in a row and ready to. Uh, ready to jump on this stuff um, if you're serious about doing it. But I I think you're right about that. You know, make a living doesn't necessarily mean go to work and make boatloads of useless uh, fiat currency. You know, make a living is building like a life, really. Uh, It just depends on on your vision. And I think a lot of us have gotten – I thought a lot of people – because of COVID land, the high school theater production, I started to see people coming out of this illusion of what the American dream was going back to really, I would say, post-World War II when we started building up the suburbs. And you had this vision that you were right. supposed to save a bunch of money to send your kid to college. Uh, and then you were supposed to save more money so that you could retire to Disney World and play golf for the rest of your life. Like that was pretty much like the, the suburban American dream for a while. And I think COVID right. land kind of woke people up to it. I mean, that's what I, I was saying, had the conversation with my wife. I said, listen, we've got this 10 acres in Poland. Let's work on building something up over there. We've got this plan to do something possibly in West Virginia. Let's get that done. That's what we're going to leave our son. He could turn around and sell that if he wants to, uh, once it's built up, or right. he could decide to live on it like Ted Kaczynski, if he feels like it, huh? whatever, whatever floats his boat. Right. Um, but I'm not worried about putting money aside for college. I said, after COVID land, I don't even think there's going to be such a thing as college or university or whatever 15 years from now. I don't even think that system's going to exist. Yeah. I said, so trying to plan for... Uh, you know, even trying to push your kid towards a career with the exponential growth of technology, the majority of career careers that you see today are not even going to exist 15 years from now. It's not even going to exist. So right. our plan, uh, I think I mentioned to you, is I said, I'm going to teach him everything from, you know, being a, a computer programmer to uh, living off the land, like a full Amish style. Um, and then, you know, he right. could land anywhere in between. I mean, once he's uh, 13, 14, 15, because uh, when you raise your kid, you know, homeschooled, and it's not going to just be book homeschool. We've got a whole plan for this. Your kid kind of reaches manhood oh, a little earlier. By 12, 13, like you yep. said, your dad was a rancher, start, or, uh, riding around on horses, starting at 12 years 
years old and worked on that through high school. So when you raise your kid that way, they uh, become a man a lot faster. You don't have to wait till your kid is 18 when you homeschool to go, oh, he's graduating from the public indoctrination center. He's ready to go off to college. <laughs> you don't have to wait that long if you yeah. homeschool. Yeah, they weren't indoctrinated heavily enough. Let's send them off to more. <laughs> and let's pay for it. Let's let's strap uh, yeah, exactly. three hundred thousand dollars in debt on this kid and send him off into the world at twenty two, with uh, with a couple hundred yep. grand in debt. That ought to do him a lot of good. So let hey, let yeah, me ask you because sure. you mentioned this to me and I brought it up at the beginning of the show. I had been doing research on um, I looked into cloud seeding and stuff years ago. Uh, it's it's not mm -hmm. a conspiracy theory; it's totally real. There's at least eight nope. states that do it. Colorado is one. You can go to Colorado uh, government website; they talk all about it. What's your knowledge of? Uh, of cloud seeding um is it good is it bad in some cases we're spraying silver iodide and uh dry ice and stuff into the air have you heard from any of the people in your area you said you know someone who has a cloud seeding machine i don't even know what that looks like um do the chemicals end up actually coming down in the rainfall and hurting crops what, what have you heard about it well what goes up's got to come back down i mean whether it comes back down in snow or rain you know, there's that cycle. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but the, one of the ranchers that I is on the pool that I ride for, he's got one of the bigger ranches here. He has, uh, I think it was around, we were doing was two years ago. He hires me to preg check his cows, help pregnancy check. And they have a big lunch and everything middle of the day. And then we go back out and finish. But we were sitting around and he got a, a call from, I don't know who it was. I want to say the state, but I don't know. I think it is. And so he's got a cloud seeder on his property and it's just a big, huge, looks like a big propane tank um, with a, uh, like a torch and he'll go out when they call him and say, yeah, go ahead and fire up the cloud seeder. He'll go out and fire it up and it just sends the silver iodide up into the atmosphere. Um, and so they're all over the state. I do know that he told me that they're all over. And so he, the ones he, the one he runs, because generally the weather pattern here is it goes from west to east. So they do it a lot for a lot of reasons. And they've been doing it for a long time. I remember well, when I was at the sheriff's office, guys were talking about it, that they were doing it, especially for like Vail, Aspen, ski resorts, because snow, you can't have a ski resort if you don't have snow. And that's a major huge tourism industry for this state but what he would turn it on is what it would it would it supposedly benefits the eastern the land so the ones that if they want it for the snow here the storm here they'll the ones farther down south or what they, i think they watch the pattern so like if it's coming out of like southern california coming up that way the 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 people that have the cloud seeders, they'll have them fire them up through that pattern. Or if it's coming in from like um, Northern Utah, Oregon, that kind of um, direction, right up from that lane to come and, you know, wherever they're going. But, and I mean, you can, I'm outside all the time and I can see, I know the difference between what contrails are and chemtrails and they hang in the cloud, they'll hang in the sky for all day long. And then all of a sudden it's like it is today where you have, these flimsy 
clouds that don't even look natural. I never saw this kind of stuff when I was a kid, you know, that just completely block out the sun, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I knew what it was and I know they do do the airplanes, but then to have actual ranchers that have them on their place and they're, they're subsidized. I don't know how much I didn't ask him, but they do, you know, get subsidized to have that on their place. That's what I was just going to ask you. I, I would imagine now that that would be managed by um, the Colorado, uh, like like some branch of the government, right? I believe so. I don't quote me on that. I didn't ever really look into it, but that would be my guess. Come on, you got to get one of those on your uh, property. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this lifetime. <laughs> no, see, that that was the only thing. Like, you know, I continue to do research on this because I'm like, all right, I understand. Uh, I mean, it's been a goal of governments for, for a long time to be able to control the weather. It's just interesting that mm-hmm. on one hand, they'll sit there and say, you're a conspiracy theorist if you say the government's controlling the weather. And then you go look it up and you're like, well, they're not lying. I mean, the federal government has, I mean, has admitted to it. They're not. It's not a secret. Yeah, as far uh, back as Vietnam. They, the, yeah. they even admitted doing it during Vietnam. So, I mean, yeah. yeah they it, ended up putting together yeah, an international yeah. treaty that apparently a bunch of governments signed saying that they wouldn't use weather manipulation uh, as a form of warfare. So, it, it's, right. uh, you know, it, it's just interesting. I just didn't know if you've ever heard anything down and around there if uh you know the the chemicals and stuff that are sprayed end up causing more damage uh than they do in um you know in the good they do by creating rain or or snow or whatever when they actually need it uh actually hold on folks i'm going to just pull this up on the screen because i want to show you this is um cwcb.colorado.gov uh 